are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. This morning I did speak on the subject of courage. I never did get to my definition of courage. I never got to my outline of courage, and I kind of felt like that was going to happen. But I, I, I think you understood what I was trying to get across to us. Courage, courage is to be willing to face danger. It's willing to stand. It's to anchor. It's to say, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the water. I'm not moving. I'm not budging. Courage says, I am willing to take a stand. It might be painful. It might be where others forsake us. But I'm going to take a stand. We find that throughout the entire word of God. Great men and women. If I perish, we saw Wednesday night, Esther, if I perish, I perish. She said, I'm taking a stand. Uh, her uncle said, who knows, but thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You're gonna have to stand. And she did. Gideon had to stand. Joshua had to stand. Uh, Samson had to stand. Though he fell, but he stood in the end again. The, the, the courage is taking a stand. Oh, what to God, you teenage boys and girls, as we enter into the fall season of the year, may you not be young people that fall for every wind of doctrine and every philosophy and every friend that want, might want to draw you away from the things of God, but may we stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Women need to learn to stand. Men need to stand. Pastors need to stand. Deacons need to stand and not be moved. None of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear unto myself so that my run, my race, and the race is set before me with joy. Uh, we, have, we must learn courage. Now tonight, the word for tonight is the cousin to courage. Courage is a stand. Boldness is an action. And I'm calling us not just simply to stand, but to be bold in our faith, to be bold in what we believe. Uh, one, courage, I think, and I don't, I've never read this, thing, but I believe that, that courage is a, a position. I'm here. I'm standing. But boldness is a disposition. I'm gonna do something about it. I have this problem in my life. I'm gonna fight it. That's taking a stand, but I'm gonna do something about it as well. It's, it might be as little as I eat too much sugar. I'm gonna stop sugar, then stop it. Do something about it, just stop it. Say I can't, just stop it. 
Everyone ought to be fighting something and then taking a bold stand for that at all times. It might be, I recall a couple years ago, for me, I kind of, I'm never in my car in the morning, but I kind of like to listen to talk radio when I go to point A to point B, and I love to hear uh, this particular fellow, what he has to say. We're born almost, uh, we are born just a few months apart, and God, uh, uh, and, and he is, has a, a large broadcast. And I said, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go one year without listening. Now, normally my study at that time, but I go from time to time, make a hospital visit. I go over here, whatever. And I said, I'm not gonna listen. After a year, I said, I think I go another year. I went two years. There needs to be some boldness that I'm gonna conquer something. It's little for you. But in my life, I've never had high blood pressure. Everybody in my family does, I have low blood pressure. But I got high blood pressure a couple years back. And in that high blood pressure, the doctor put me on some pills. I said, I don't want these pills. He said, you're gonna take those pills. He said, you are right, a great candidate for a stroke or a heart attack immediately. So you're gonna take those pills. And so I took the pills, and I said, how can I get off these things? I don't want pills, I don't want any pills. He said, one, you're gonna to have to get rid of salt. I said, I can't do it, I love salt. I love it when you, when you take the lid off the shaker. Oh, Brother Harold, he was, when he was here those 19 years working and pastoring now all these years in Kentucky, he would, he would we'd go to, to Mexican food and you get those chips. And he said, now, Pastor, just let me know when we think we have, he loves salt too. He's a, he's a heart attack waiting. He said, just let me know when you think that he's shaking the way that salt shaker. Let me know when you, salt's all over the table. Let me know, brother, pastor, just let me know when you think we have enough salt on here. I said, keep going. And he just keep going and keep going. And I said, are we getting close? The salt shaker's gone. I mean, I'm not kidding you. The guy is out of control. That's the way you eat food. Popcorn, one pound of butter per bag, five pounds of salt. If it's not floating, you did not do it right. He said, you're gonna have to get rid of salt. Now, it will be October, two years since I've touched the salt shaker. Now, I order everything that's got a lot of salt on it, but uh, I try to cheat that way, you know. But I'm telling you, I, I, I love salt. It, it, I've been tempted so many times. We're going to have to conquer some things in life. And it's just not this or this. Everybody ought to be working at taking a bold step. I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to see God win a battle. I'm going to see my flesh denied. I'm going to see something great. Uh, I'm, I'm not coming to, uh, where's our Sunday school uh, back up? I'm, I've not been uh, historically faithful to Sunday school. I'm going to come. I'm going to come and not miss uh, all year except for a week or two vacation on Sunday. I'm going to be in Sunday school. We have to conquer some things. That's boldness. Courageous is one thing. To be bold's another. Keep your hand right here, please. There's something there. Go back to the book of Acts with me, if you would. Acts chapter four. And I, I, I don't believe I'll be long tonight. Uh, Acts chapter four. You listen fast and I'll preach fast. In Acts chapter four, Brother Cooper made mention of this this morning, the persecution. And then uh, it continued, uh, the divisions and things that happened, chapter five and six. Chapter four, verse 13. 
Verse 12 gives us that famous verse. Let's read 12 together. Ready, begin. Neither is there salvation in any other. I love hearing you read. I normally stop so I don't mess you up, but I love hearing you read. Verse 13, and when they saw the, what's the word? Boldness. What is boldness? It's a prevailing tendency. It's a prevailing tendency. I have courage, and we, you have courage, you take a stand, and, but boldness is your prevailing, prevailing spirit about your prevailing tendency. And they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men and marveled. They took knowledge with them that they'd been with Jesus. Notice chapter four right there, verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all, what's the word? Boldness, they may speak thy word. My dear preacher friends around the globe, God bless you, I admire you so much. And you're in different countries of the world still online trying to get into the mission, trying to speak to your people. I know it's, it's much harder on you than it is for us here in the States. I promise you that, I know that. I read your letters. But I want you to know that every one of us, whether we're online preaching or in a pulpit preaching or in an auditorium or outside or wherever we're preaching, there must be boldness right now. There must be a willingness to have a prevailing tendency that I am on the winning side. I'm not gonna live in defeat and discouragement and depression that this is it. I do not wanna buy into the thing. This is the hardest moment in human history. It is not. Lost 160,000 people were sad about that in the States. But that is nothing compared to the 80 million, or is it 70 million in World War II? Don't make light of this. I'm not making light of that. It's nothing what we saw in World War I and then the Great Depression. And we saw all this. We, oh, these are the last days. Who told you that? I don't know if they're the last days. It just seems like they must be the last days. I don't know when Jesus is coming again. He may want to send one last sweeping revival for he is not willing that any should perish. He knows that when he comes again, then the tribulation, and then we're a short time away from people being judged and going to hell for all eternity. It's in his character to send a revival. Look at chapter four, verse 31. When they had, what's that word? Prayed. My wife is more blunt than I am. She tells me all the time, it's so thrilling to see the men pray. But unless a man has a medical, she's in the nursery tonight, she's watching. Unless a man has a medical reason or some cow can't get to church on Saturday night for something, she goes, I, I don't know if we understand the urgency of the hour. We must have men of God praying. We must. And I know other things come up, but I had several men, God bless you, you encouraged me so much that you text me, say, I'm at this project, or I'm getting back in town here, or this is happening, and you don't have to do that, but it encourages me. But fellas, it's not one week off and four weeks off. We must pray. We are in a battle and we must be courageous and we must be bold, and courageous means that we become bold and we put some feet to our prayers, we go to prayer. 
It's urgent. Your kids will live in bondage if we don't see God do something. Chapter nine, chapter nine, please, of Acts, chapter nine and verse number 27. In this chapter, Paul, Saul gets saved, who became Paul. In verse 27, and Barnabas took him and, and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how that he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had uh, spoken to him and how that he preached boldly. Got saved, starts preaching. Boldly. There was some, there was, I, I, boldly is forward march. I, I'm not hesitant. There's danger, but I'm going to it. Verse number 29. And when he spake boldly in the name of Jesus, and that's what we do, chapter 13. And verse number 46. And when Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should have been first spoken unto you. Chapter 14, verse number three. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord. Go to chapter 19 last time, then we'll go back to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter number 19, verse eight. And when they went to the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months. Please, let's be courageous. Let's take a stand. Let's not get moved. But shall we add tonight the word boldness? Let's do something about our stand. Let's put feet to the prayers. Let's put uh, shoe leather to the doors. Let's, let's do something to open up the Sunday school. Let's do something to figure out what we're going to do to get these buses going. Let's do, let's do something and do it bold. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. My wife likes to walk. And so I try to ride my bicycle while she walks at night, a couple miles. And I was over at the park that I remember when they opened it, I had prayer and we dedicated the park in this city as we used to do every park, and I've dedicated every park for the last 40 some years, every park, every police station, every firehouse, uh, everyone had prayer, every single one. They don't lose that anymore, they stopped doing it. It's not a good thing to pray to God because we got so many different gods. But I remember praying for that park over there. And by the way, I am not against what happened Tuesday night when I took a picture. I'll call them Sunday school teachers for the Muslim faith, and they have every right to do that. I realize, and they need to have their Sunday school like we have Sunday school, and so they have their easels out, and their children sitting down in groups of 10 to 15, and they were teaching them the Quran. By the way, this is America. They have every right to do that. But we also have the right to get to these parks and get to these areas and take a Bible and teach our bus kids the Word of God. They, you ask any bus captain, they've been going out and visiting on the routes all through the last 23 weeks. The kids are saying, when? When can we get back to church? Well, maybe not right away, but we may have to go to them and go to the park and teach them the park and preach in the park and come boldly. So well, you're not permitted to do that. Oh, yes, you are. 
Go back to the first Kings, please. A preacher must be bold. It's been said that a preacher without boldness is like a knife without an edge. A preacher without boldness is like a smooth file or like a soldier without a gun. Here in chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, we have a great example of the demonstration of boldness. It's amazing, Brother Bertram had no idea, but there's three characters that we look at tonight briefly. There is a man of God who had boldness by the name of Elijah. There's one way over here, his name is Ahab. He's as wicked as you can get. He's as godly as you can get. But there's a Obadiah. What did you teach us several months ago? Are there 17 Obadiahs in the Bible? I thought I remember he told us. And this is one of those 17. And Obadiah was a good man, and he was in this man's corner, but he worked full time over here. And he failed to take a stand. And so he was fearful and was confused. And he did not want to give the message he was supposed to to this man because he said, this man told me to say this and I can't tell, he'll kill me. How long halt ye between two opinions? If God be for us, who can be against us? There has to come, there must come a time as a teenager say, all for Jesus, all for Jesus. All my being, ransom power. I'm gonna live in for Jesus, a life that's true. There has to come a time, teenager, if you don't come to that point, you'll make some failure in your teenage years and then you'll regret the next 65 years. You say, well, we've got this great, we have the best Christian school in all America. I, 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 I don't, I, I don't I, I, these little girls that all just sang here, all graduates of that school. And we have group after group just like that. But you're gonna have to come to a point where you decide what is right, what you take a stand for, and how courageous you'll be and how bold you'll be, young men and young ladies. You might get a friend in the Christian school and evil communications corrupt good manners. You hang around the wrong crowd, you'll not influence him for right. He never, Obadiah never influenced Ahab for right. He was still wrong, he was still wicked, he was killing the prophets of God, but Ahab, he, but Obadiah played the middle. You can't halt between two opinions, school's coming. You gotta have to figure out high school kids on what side of the fence you're on. College students, and many of you are watching right now around the country and outside this country, coming to college, you're gonna have to choose. Even in a Bible college, God forbid, but in any Bible college in America, all through history, there are gonna be some rotten apples. And we screen and we, we, we uh, take inventory of everyone's life, but there's gonna be some kid that's gonna wanna do wrong. You better not go that direction. Hey, come on, let's go over here, let's do this. I'm not going to, in fact, I tell you what, the rule is that if I know I'm wrong, that's about to be done, I have to report it, and I'm not going and say, well, it can't be a rat pick against my friend. If you got an Ahab over here, trying to get you to do wrong, you better be a rat thing because that life is gonna destroy your life. I've chosen in my life, all my ministry, not to hang around preachers that are compromisers. 
because I don't want to be a compromiser. I don't want to go down that path. I know the end results of compromise. You cannot show me a great end to a compromiser. And I know you're going to come up with a few names, but friend, you don't know the rest of the story. I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to be around a compromiser. You sure don't want to be in a, with a compromiser in the middle of a battle. You're with a war fighting the, the enemy. And guys say, well, I just don't believe in all this stuff here. Uh, you better believe in something. Chapter 18, verse 1, and it came to pass. That's one of the phrases I've underlined all this year as I read through my Bible. It always comes to pass. It's nearly 400 times you'll find it in the Bible. And it came to pass. It always does. It always comes to pass. And, and good news, someone told me that Mr. Fauci said it's all going to be done by November. He just came out. Wow, wonderful. Great. Your pastor, Brother Fisher, said to me this week, we were talking on the phone, he goes, it won't be done by November, but it will be done by inauguration. But then there's going to have to be two weeks of riding in the street. But maybe after that it'll be done. But then it's the next thing. It came to pass after many days, underscore that in your mind, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. He had been at Cherith, the cutting place. He had been at Zarephath, the refining place. He is at Cherith where the brook dried up and the raven, the garbage birds came from the garbage dump to bring him food. And now it's stagnant, now it's green, now there's mosquitoes and now there's insects. And the land is parched and it's not been raining for three years. What an environment for a man of God to live. This environment for all of us is not the normal environment that we lived in all these years. It's different right now. And it came to pass after three years, go show thyself to Ahab, and I'm going to send rain on the earth. And Ahab, when he heard that, verse 3, called Obadiah. The word Obadiah is a good name. It means the servant of the Lord. And he was the servant of the Lord, but he's also serving Ahab. He couldn't even get it straight with his own name. He had a name that he was to be God's servant, not Ahab's servant. Ahab was a wicked king, though he was from Israel. There are some people you ought not to fraternize with. Same with me. And the Bible said he called Ahab, uh, Ahab called Obadiah, which is the governor of the house. He was in charge. He was the governor of the house, his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. I don't doubt that. You're going to see he saved 100 prophets of God. Great thing. Because there was a part of him that wanted to do this. I want to do right. I want to live for God. And there was part of an I want disposition. Teenagers, I don't know if this ever happened to you. That's the story of my life when I was in high school. I loved Friday night working at the church, all day Saturday working at the church, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, youth choir, going to two different rest homes every Sunday afternoon, coming to our house with all the teenagers to eat lunch every Sunday. I loved Sunday. I loved singing in church. 
I love sitting by my dad and my mother, then a little bit later in life in the teen area. I loved it. I love Sunday. I love Sunday. And when they were singing that last song, I'm thinking, oh no, that's the last song. And then the pastor's going to preach. And then the invitation. I go home. I got to go to school. I want to live for God. And I went to my public high school, about 2,500 young people, 600 in my class, 590 something in my graduating class. I was so embarrassed that I was a Christian. Oh, I didn't swear and I didn't cuss and I didn't smoke and I didn't go out to the parties. And they knew Jack goes, they knew that, but a lot of guys went to Sunday school that era. I lived over here. And over here, I wanted to smoke. Everybody did. Everybody in school smoked. Girls, guys, everybody. I wanted to smoke. I wanted to see, see what it tasted like. I want. I wanted to just try beer. I just, I didn't want to get drunk. I just wanted to try it. God's face did not come. The word of God did not come. The, pre, the preaching of the word of God, my mother and dad's face came. I kept thinking how disappointed that would be. If, and I just, I don't know how you are. I was just torn. I, I, I really wanted to do this. I want to go to the dance. I wanted to go to the movies. I wanted to go all this. But, but I honestly wanted to do this. And it was that sophomore year of high school at camp that God got my heart. God just got my heart. I don't want this. I want this. And there's going to have to be a decision before you even come to school and before we have an opening revival, whether you're in college, Brother Sam Epley's coming, what a powerful preacher for the college, and he'll be preaching here. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have to make some choices this summer. Don't come to college half-cocked and half-unspiritual or half-spiritual, whatever the case might be. Don't go come that way. You're listening online. Get right with God. Here's the servant of the Lord and the servant of Ahab, for it was so that when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets, hit them in a cave. Ahab said to Obadiah, get in here. Go into the land, all, and all the fountains of water, and unto all the brooks. Pre-adventure we may find grass to save the horses and the mules alive. We lose not the beast. Everything's dry. Everything's parched. Ahab's going to go one way, verse 6. Obadiah's going to go another way, verse 6. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. You know, I found in my life that God always sends somebody. God sent my mother so many times. God sent my aunt so many times. God sent my uncle. God sent the pastor's wife. God sent my pastor so many times. God sent a good friend. God always sent somebody. I had so many Sunday school teachers, and sometimes maybe uh, this Sunday school teacher would say something. I'm trying to listen all the time. I get emails all day long, and Miss Treber or Brother, uh, Brother Luke or, or, or Brother Moyer, somebody runs them off, I get them from different places, and I always write back, handwritten, and then they type them for me. And my wife gave me one last night. She said, I forgot to give this email, it came in. I didn't want to read it because I don't want anything to keep me awake last night and think, oh boy, is this negative. She told me the person that wrote it, I said it to myself, it's going to be good. I brought it with me. I won't read it. 
But the person wrote, stay bold for God. I read it this morning. You know what that little thing did for me, Brother Kissel? That just authenticated the message. I'm trying to listen all the time. God's sending me things all the time. I want to listen to his voice and hear God sent Elijah to him. And the Bible said, Obadiah fell on his face. Art thou my Lord Elijah? And he answered, I am. I am. Now here's what he tells him to do. Go tell thy Lord, because Ahab was his Lord, his master. Tell him Elijah's here. And he said, oh, what have I, have I sinned? That thou wouldst deliver thy servant the hand of Ahab. I work for the man. I live in his house. He's my boss. You're, you're, I love you. I love your reputation, but you're going to send me back to him and tell him you're here. See, Obadiah was worried about something because he never had made a choice before. Everybody here, all of us, I don't care who you are, you have to make a choice whose side you're on. But as for me and my house, Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're doing. You got to get in. You got to get into this thing. God's house, God's work, prayer, whatever it might be, living for God. And the Bible says, that I'm, I'm, I'm going too long, I'll, I'll, I'll hasten now. And now behold, verse 11, that says, go tell my, thy, my, thy Lord, he said at the second time, Elijah is here. And he said in verse number 12, the latter part, he's going to slay me. He's going to slay me, but I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. And you know what? I think he's right about that. As a teenager, he undoubtedly made a decision, I'm going to serve God. But he also chose to serve Ahab. Those two are light and dark. They do not mix. They're not the same. You're either going to have to go this crowd or this crowd. It's time to choose. Look what he says. He says, Obadiah went to meet Ahab, verse 16, and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab, you know, it's amazing how a man with no character and no courage and no boldness blames everybody. There are people that are perusing the internet to find somebody who did wrong so they can blame their life on somebody else. Why don't you man up? Why don't you become a man? Why don't you become a virtuous lady and stop blaming and stop being a victim when we're victors? He said, are, are you, uh, 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 you're the one that's troubling Israel. Now watch the boldness. I'm not troubled Israel, but thou, he's talking to the king, and thy father's house, all that have forsaken, you've forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you follow Balaam. He says in verse 21, and Elijah came to the people and said, how long halt you between two opinions? Now that's what I'm asking tonight. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? I pray that when my journey is done in life, if the Lord tarries, I pray that I'm still getting up every morning early reading this book. I pray that every morning of my life and throughout the day I'll be praying every day. 
I, I pray whatever the day is my last journey on planet Earth, that I'll still be loving my wife and loving my children and loving my grandchildren, loving the people of God and, and loving the things of God and singing about him and speaking about him. All those songs, I, when Brother Mophi and Brother Caleb played that, what I, I would hope we all knew, knew those songs. If you don't, I'll have to, we'll have to learn them. They were so incredible. And you know the, the war that begins here. In verses 22 through 46, one, there's a battle. You call on your God. And it came to pass, verse 27, at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, he is a God or either he's talking or pursuing or he's in a journey or he sleepeth, must be awakened. They were trying to call their God to bring fire down from heaven. And the man of God with great boldness said, what's the matter with your God? Is he on a vacation? Is he sleeping? What's he doing? That's boldness right there. And the Bible says, Elijah said, verse 30, to the people, come near unto me. All the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And he said, verse 33, fill four barrels with water. You never put water on a fire that you're going to try to start. But here this man was courageous and bold and he took a stand. And it came to pass, verse 36, that at the time the evening of sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, God, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, that's Jacob, let it be known this day, this day, that thou art God in Israel, and I'm thy servant. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, and this people may know that thou art Lord. And you know what happened. Verse 8, verse 38, the fire fell. You see, in this text, there's a battle. There's a boldness. There's a belief that God can do anything. It, it, there's a belief that God can do anything. So he prayed to him. God is looking tonight for courageous people who will take a stand. I'm not going to be moved. And then be bold that I'll go forward and I'll face danger. And I will not capitulate. And I will not cave. But I'm going to be bold in my witness for Christ. Some of you might remember Frank Hall, the story of his life. It was February the 27th, 2012. He was a high school coach in Ohio, and he really wasn't a spectacular person teacher or anything. He was just a good, faithful man. He knew the Lord. And a 17-year-old boy came to school that day began to shoot. Eventually killed three students and injured two others. The students did what they should have done. They ran away from the bullets and ran away from the gunmen. But not Frank Hall. He looked at the boy. He started coming at him. He started coming, even though he was the shooter with the gun, he started running. And that coach went and ran and chased him down. 
That's what you call being courageous, and that's what you call being bold because he did something about it. He then came back to those three boys that were dying. They were all alive. He would take them and huddle them close to himself. He wiped with his hands the tears from their eyes. They were weeping. I want to die. And they did. He prayed with each and every one of those boys until they passed away. He came back to do something about it. But he went after, in boldness, the boy that was hurting so many others. On this day in August, Sunday morning, I'm asking us, let's be courageous. This is not the time to moan and groan and complain and I hate life and it's not fair and we're under all this bondage and, and, and we, we, we'll, we'll never be able to be happy again. We'll, we'll never be, I heard one of these health experts say on the, uh, on the interview this week on my radio, he said, uh, you're gonna have to get used to mass because this is the way of life for Americans from here on out forever. No. No. We need to see the smile on people's faces. We need to see the expression. We're told to see the face of God. I'm glad he's not all shielded up. Tonight, I rehearsed this morning, I'm asking us to be courageous. And then tonight, I'm asking us to be bold. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.